0: Well, uh, good afternoon, everyone. Obviously, I'm between everybody and their uh, airplane and happy hour, so this is kind of cool. Um, hey, I'm Joby Turner, and the reason I'm speaking to you guys is I have 24 years of experience of being a logistician in the military. Um, most of that time was spent flying C-130 transport aircraft, and I also had non-flying assignments at U.S. Transportation Command, which controls the ships, the trains, the planes. Uh, the trucks that the U.S. military owns and the ones that it uses from the commercial industry and contracts out. And I also spent some time at Headquarters Air Force working on long-range strategy at the Pentagon. Um, and before I retired, I wrote a book on logistics called Feeding Victory about logistics in wartime. Um, so for those of you who don't know, a C-130 is a four-engine transport plane, and it's about the size of a 737. It could carry the equivalent of a 40-foot container and about 25 short tons. And the cool thing about the C-130 is it is the truck and freight driver of the Air Force. And we're very proud of that. We used to call it Herc driving, like truck driving, because we go anytime, anywhere, anyplace and bring your stuff and get it there mostly on time and usually not broken. So it's very, very, very fun to do. And like many of you, because of those experiences, I have been frustrated by freight. I've taken cargo to the wrong airport. I have landed at an airport with cargo, all excited to download it, and you put the ramp and door open, and you look, and there's no forklift. There's no loader, so we have to hand-download the cargo. Uh, and my favorite, I've gone to a place to pick up some very, very important cargo, and the paperwork was wrong, and we had to frustrate it and leave it behind. Probably you all have similar experiences in your fields. And the thing I want to talk about today that we've all experienced is supply crunches. And then I'm going to get off the stage, and uh, we're going to go to happier, which will be wonderful. Um, In a military context, supply crunches are impossible to predict. I actually want to give a shout-out to Dan Lewis from Convoy yesterday. I wanted to get up and hug him when he talked about the fact that we shouldn't worry about predicting so much. We should worry about how do we react, how do we respond, how do we deal with these supply crunches. In the military, the reason it's so hard to predict is war is fog and friction, and weird things happen that you can't explain. There's the environment. It could be too hot, too cold, too windy, too rainy, too snowy. You could be going to take an aircraft or a truck somewhere that no American's ever been to, an austere location in the middle of nowhere. On top of that, you have an adversary, someone that's trying to deny you getting to a place. And we see see it with the Russian military today, right? Their logistics are being denied. And in addition, for whatever reason, in warfare and in crisis on the military side, I can guarantee you, your IT systems in a supply crunch are going to fail. It's not that they won't work eventually or you won't get them up. They're not gonna provide what you need in crisis. And so since 1941, and that's the start of World War II, in every crisis or conflict, to include helping with domestic operations in terms of a hurricane relief, those type of things, the US military has faced a supply crunch, which is a little different than yours. On the commercial side, the supply crunch is too little, too late. The supply cannot meet the demand. The military is the obverse of that. Too much too soon, which then leads to too little too late. And the reason being is that the U.S. military has a vast armada of ships, planes, trucks, rail cars, frankly, many of them provided by commercial industry, that jam a bunch of cargo and a bunch of people into a place that cannot handle it. You either don't have the labor force you don't have the material handling equipment on the airfield or at the port to do it. And again, your IT systems fail you and you do not know where things are. And as a result, important cargo that's coming in urgently can't get moved out. And cargo that's there on the field can't get moved out either. And so that soldier, sailor, airman, marine, and now guarding the space forces on the front lines, they can't get their stuff. So that's the nature of a military supply crunch. And so if it's true that this is all chaotic, and the systems might fail you, how does the military handle the supply crunch? Well, actually, they pretty much don't worry about the technical piece, and that is very important. IT systems are wonderful. They actually focus on the human, and the human element, and training them to react in crisis. Now, some might argue the military is so good at reacting in crisis, it doesn't respond very well in day-to-day operations, and I would, I would second that, that's partially true. But really, it's training those people to act in crisis, and it's in three major areas. One, the basic training of day-to-day. Two, long-range planning. And then three, wargaming and exercises. In other words, testing your system. So we talk about training from a military standpoint. Everything in the military logistics world in terms of training is to train the newest person how to do their basic job. That person who joins the military at 18, 19, 20 years old how to do their job. For example, someone might come in the Air Force and they're going to be a logistics troop. And what they will do is they're going to be in charge of running a forklift. So they'll be trained on how to run the forklift, how to fuel it, how to move cargo into the aircraft, how to move it off the aircraft back to the yard and do that all safely. And above them, there's someone that's just maybe two or three years senior to them that's going to be training four or five of these new folks on how to do that because they did that job before. And then there's someone above them that's training the loaders and they're also training the fuelers and aircraft mechanics all the way up to get to sort of the base commander level where someone's in charge of everybody doing that. So oftentimes in the military, and you all will see this in future press releases, if there's a mistake, an accident, a crisis, the military will say, we got to get back to basics. So when you see that in the news, that's what they're talking about. And back to basics means everybody just do your basic job. Because when you're a crisis, rather than running around trying to chase information or chase thoughts or data, just do your basic job first, and then you can depart from there. And then as the system comes up, as you learn more information, as you're able to handle it better, you can do other tasks, but initially do that job. And what that also allows you to do is not only stabilize everyone, it also allows you to know where your limitations are. So if you're forward deployed and the forklift driver says, hey, you told me to do my basic job, I don't have fuel. You go, oh, wow, we have a problem with fuel. It allows you to sort of find out where your problems are and fix them. Next thing the military does really well, I think, formal planning. So at the broad level, and if there's any former Army officers in here, I'm sorry, I'm going to butcher this, but this is a very simplified version. Um, from the President of the United States, down to the Secretary of Defense, down to the Global Combatant Commanders, and then to all the services, Army, Air Force, Navy, Marine, Space Force, there's going to be all sorts of plans. And these plans are going to have to do everything with deploying a force forward overseas to meet a threat, to supporting Homeland Defense and some sort of de- disaster relief in the United States. And each of these plans... Everybody's going to figure out three things from a logistics perspective. How to deploy, so how to get everybody and their stuff there. How to sustain, how to keep them fed, how to keep them hydrated, how to keep the ammunition flowing, the fuel, power, et cetera. And then how to retrograde, how to bring them back. And every organization is going to get a hack at that. The lawyers, financial, HR, operations, fuelers, ammunition workers, you name it, the whole, everybody's going to get that. And they're going to have a plan It's all going to be said and done to meet this threat. It's going to go on a shelf. And then lo and behold, there'll be some crisis in the world. And they're going to pull off the plan and they're going to go, wow, that didn't meet reality. They're going to throw it in the trash bin. Which sounds awful because why would you spend all this time planning and to throw it away? But as General Eisenhower said, who was the Supreme Allied Commander in Europe in World War II, the plan means nothing. Planning is everything. And what he meant by that, I think, was that that factor that when you go through the plan like that, your organization, your little team, you kind of know where you fit in the big picture, which is great. And then more importantly, you start figuring out really quickly when you go through long-range planning, you have some deficits. You have some problems that need to be solved. You have some gaps that you need to close to be able to get to that end state you want to get to. And then finally, what the military does really well is war gaming and exercising or testing the system. So an exercise is literally bringing physical things together. So, for example, you might exercise, and I did this while I was at Little Rock Air Force Base, flying C-130s. He would say, we want to deploy four C-130s and a couple hundred people to overseas location. Okay, we've got to get the crews in. We've got to get the passengers in. We've got to get all their weapons. We've got to get the ammunition. We've got to get the fuel. We've got the food. We've got to bring it all together and eventually practice launching the airplanes. And along the way, you will find out many mistakes that you don't know, many things you didn't anticipate. Like for example, I never knew that if you're going to fly a dog on an airplane, you have to have paperwork specially signed by a special office in the FAA. So we failed an exercise because we couldn't get a dog, a security forces dog, on an airplane. Kind of kind of interesting. We found we found that gap and seemed we were able to fix it. And then we talk about war gaming in that, and war gaming is more tabletop or thinking about, you guys may have seen in the movies, you've got a board game and there's a red force that's the adversary and they're trying to attack you and prevent you from what you want to do. And you're moving your logistics around trying to decide how to do that. And what's really nice about a war game is you can kind of throw out a fantastical scenario and just say, hey, how'd we do? And again, you're not going to solve it. You're not going to do it perfectly. In effect, you might fail, but you're going to find those gaps and problems in your organization and fix them. So if we look at training, we look at planning, we look at wargaming and exercises, and you all go, what does that mean to me? I don't have 600,000 people like the Air Force to plan for two years. But I do think there's some applicability in your space to do this. First off, training. I think no matter how big your company is, no matter how big your team is, know what your basics are and write those down. It doesn't have to be complicated. This isn't the HR job uh, posting you're putting out there for what someone's going to do. But no kidding, what does your team... What does your company need to do at a basic level every day? Because when the supply chain crunch hits, when the chaos hits, if you know that, you can start from there. Very, very helpful. Uh, Second thing, formal planning. I'm sure that you will have been in many business planning meetings. I'm sure they are no more fun than the the, uh, Air Force was for me. A little bit painful. But if you can look three to four, five years in the future, and say, we're going to have to be able to do this because of market share. We're going to have to be able to do this because of climate change. We're going to have to be able to do this because of the way the IT systems are changing. If you can plan for that and write a little two-page plan, and then think about where you are now, and then identify those gaps and, again, those problems, it will help you think in crisis when things change. And then finally, and from a war game and an exercise standpoint, um, obviously from personal industry Uh, wasting freight space, wasting fuel, wasting people's time. You all don't have time for that. That's going to cut into profit margin. But you can easily do a war game or an exercise on a tabletop. And it used to be before COVID when we all sat in the office together. I know we all remember that. uh, And you had a cup of coffee just kind of sitting around. You could have a simple scenario. For example, hey, two weeks from now, there's going to be a freak late season May May snowstorm in Colorado. And it's going to have an avalanche on I-70. For some reason, they're not going to clear that for a week. And then I-25 South from Denver over Raton Pass in New Mexico, there's gonna be a chemical spill and they can't get traffic through. How would we handle that? And it's kind of amazing when you do that scenario, especially if you have someone play the red team, the adversary, and we all know someone that's maybe a little bit of a grumpy, uh, grumpy person or maybe they're a little doubter, have them be the red team. Hey, what would you do in this situation? What would you do in that? And you'd be surprised sitting across the table the answers you'll get. And most importantly, you will find out your problems. And I think that's really what the military does is through those processes of training, planning, and wargaming exercises, it identifies problems and identifies gaps. So when you're in a crisis, you've already thought about some of these things. You know fuel is going to be a limitation. You know finances are going to be a problem. And that will help you react uh, in that crisis. And the final thing I'll leave you with today is that you all may not know this, but 90% of military cargo moved by land in peacetime is on the backs of you all. And it's also in wartime, 90% comes from trucking in the United States. I want to thank you. I never missed a Christmas dinner. I never missed a a mail. I never was hungry or thirsty. And that's all because of you guys. So thank you much. Thanks for your time. I hope you enjoy your evening.
1: And we want to thank Jovi for coming out. And we actually want to thank all of our guests and all of our speakers it's been a great two days and we couldn't have done it without everybody that's been here and of course our headline sponsors JB Hunt. Also thank you guys for sticking it out and for staying for the final sessions. We appreciate seeing your smiling faces here these last two days and sticking with us for this last session as well. We know it's a long two days, it's a tiring two days, so we appreciate you guys more than you know. It's and time so. for best of show. <laughs> that's what we've all been waiting for, right? I know. Let's we've do got it. our winners. Right. And just as yesterday, we've got three winners, three great demo companies out of the dozens that presented over the last two days. Best in show winners for today. Let's start with HubTech. Huge congrats to HubTech. We also have Turbo. Woo, woo. <laughs> and a Quick Loads as well. So congrats all three of those guys for Best in Show winners. Our winners will be mailed a plaque with its engraved for Best in Show for the Freight waves Future of Supply Chain. But thank you to all the companies who came out and took the time to demo their technology and their products. We appreciate them as well. And now we've got a couple things that we just want to let you know before anybody heads out when it comes to Freight Waves. So this is obviously our first in-person event in the last two years. And we've got another really exciting one coming up. In just a few short months, heading to Atlanta, August 17th, we will have a one-day event where fintech meets freight tech, talking about the intersection of freight and finance. So you can head to live.freightwaves.com and get your tickets for that one and for the big one. The big one. We also invite everybody to come to Freight Waves in